this week my guest is Neil Schaefer, author of The Age of Influence. We talk about leveraging the other, collaborating with influencers to grow your business and boost marketing creativity. Welcome to episode 246 of the Marketing and Finance Podcast. This is the podcast for ideas and inspiration on marketing your business and growing your business and for discussing topics on all things finance. I'm Roger Edwards, a marketing guy and keynote speaker from Edinburgh. Talk to me if you want to cut the BS and the complexity from your marketing strategy. Hello and welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Thank you, as always, for downloading or streaming the show. I really do appreciate you taking the time to plugging me and my guests into your earphones. Now, I've got to admit, influencer marketing isn't really a topic I've covered much on the podcast before. It's even a topic I've been a little bit dubious about, especially when you read some of those articles of so-called influencers bribing hotels to give them free rooms or free dinners and that sort of thing. But after this conversation with Neil Schaefer, my eyes have been opened quite a bit. This is a real deep dive into influencer marketing, and it did make me wonder... Is influencer marketing the new PR? Let's get straight into that interview with Neil and find out right here on the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Neil Schaefer, welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Thank you very much, sir. How are you doing today? I am doing well. Well, in truth, I could probably do with being able to get out of the house a little bit more because we are recording this during the coronavirus lockdown. But apart from that, I'm doing fantastic. And where are we Zooming each other from? I'm in Edinburgh, UK, as always. Yes, I am in uh, Southern California in beautiful Orange County, the home of Disneyland in a city called Irvine. Fantastic. Neil, you've recently published a book, The Age of Influence. Influence, and it's all about influencer marketing. And that's a subject that I have to admit hasn't really been a focus of the Marketing and Finance podcast so far. And possibly one of the reasons for that is that influencer marketing hasn't really been a focus for marketing professionals in the UK. Possibly the same can be said of, of the United States. We can get into that in a, in a little while. But you've also been around the content marketing social media scene for a good decade now. Widely recognised leader, speaker, consultant, and obviously author and podcaster. Um, Before we get into a chat about the book and we get into a chat about influencer marketing, give me a little bit of background about yourself, where you came from, how your career developed, and basically what makes Neil Schaefer tick. Uh, Sure. Well, uh, born and raised here in Southern California, and I grew up in an area which this greatly uh, influenced my my, my life, both personal and professional, but I grew up in an area where uh, there were a lot of Asian Americans. So growing up, most of my friends were Asian American. I was going to birthday parties in high school where you know, everyone was speaking Chinese and, and I wasn't, uh, and I was the only one who wasn't. So <laughs> that background, um, got me thinking in college to, you know, pursue a study in Asian languages. Mm-hmm. And I ended up learning Chinese, doing a junior abroad in Beijing, coming back senior year, starting to learn Japanese and then launching my career in Japan. So, uh, my career started in technology sales, but I was a, uh, you know, country manager, you know, a VP of Asia sales. So I had to wear a lot of hats that included 
marketing and business development. And it's really there. I, I acquired a lot of very, very holistic business experience that I didn't know how I was going to leverage. But when uh, our last recession happened, for those that remember back in 2008 and 2009, uh, I was let go of my job for the first time, as were so many. And that's when I realized that I wanted to create something that no one could take away from me. And that was my personal brand. So yeah. I started blogging back in 2008. Um, I converted the blog into a book which uh, was on LinkedIn, by the way. So my background was obviously B2B. So uh, LinkedIn was the only social network at the time. Published that in 2009, got, uh, began getting invited to speak. And then in January 2010, I, I literally had four different businesses and different industries reach out to me for help. I decided to launch a business from it. I launched a social media strategy consulting business. And from there, I, I haven't you know turned back like you, you know, Roger. We've, we've both been doing this for more than a decade. And it encompasses, you know, consulting. Uh, I've launched an agency. I teach uh, at a few universities. I don't teach in the UK, but I do go to the Irish Management Institute in Dublin every year. Okay, uh, to teach uh, executives there on, on digital uh, marketing. And uh, yeah, I, I'm passionate about what I do. I enjoy what I do. Writing books is just something. I mean, both for personal branding as well as just trying to help uh, our understanding of of what we can do with with digital and social media. So I, I found this huge gap in our understanding of, of influencer marketing and in how we define it and how people have just such a narrow perspective on it and how it can be used by any business that I realized that back in, you know, this was two or three years ago when I started that journey on doing research for the book and interviewing people, I, I realized there was just this huge gap and I wanted to be the one to help fill that and educate people. And, you know, not the perfect time to publish a book, but if you know how the publishing industry works, so, you know, you, you plan things out a year in advance. So this book published less than a month ago but I am someone, you know, you knock me down, I'm going to keep coming back up. And I don't care if there's a global pandemic going on. I'm going to do my best to get the word out, of, uh, you know, about my book and get it in the, in the hands of people that need it. So, uh, and here I am. Fantastic. And I, I'm actually in the process of preparing a book for publish. It's actually out at the moment being beta read by by people. Um, my, my original intention was that it was going to be out May, June this year. It's self-published. I haven't got an actual um, publishing house. It's self-published. But I think that given the circumstances, I might just let it drift into the autumn, to be perfectly honest. I think that... Again, let's go right back to basics then. Let's talk about influencer marketing. And I think that if I was to ask, and quite a lot of the clients that I work with are financial services based, if I was to ask somebody, please define influencer marketing to me, I think the answer would be it's people on Instagram posting pictures of themselves, having millions of followers and companies using them to advertise their products. Or it's uh, it may be a celebrity fitness instructor or something like that. Uh, but I think there's probably a little bit more to it than that, isn't there, Neil? Yeah. You know, I came up with this concept actually several years ago and I, I used to call it leverage the other. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that, you know, let's break it down. What are the things you can do with digital and social media? So you, you need to have a website, right? Yeah. We all know yeah. uh, or, or some web presence. Um, and then you need to have some sort of, you know, we, we need to be discovered by the search engines because that's, you know, one of the top three things people do online is do a search on, on Google or what have you. So that means we need to be doing SEO or maybe pay-per-click campaigns. Then we get into email because if people are not doing searches, they, they may be on email. We know that people still do a lot of email. So email marketing is something that has not gone away either. And, and now we have various forms of marketing automation. So then we get into, you know, things changed, obviously, with social media. Um, you know, I, I consider content marketing beginning with, you know, blogging, which, which 
uh, provide you content for social media, provide you content for SEO. And then obviously with content marketing, we have various lead magnets, right? Yeah. Uh, all meant to uh, bring people back to our website or opt people into our email. And it just complements everything else we do. And then we have social media, which is in its second decade as well, as, as we all know. And we have the organic and we have the paid. And you know what's happened over the last few years, which I believe has really driven uh, this big demand for influencer marketing, because it, you know influencer marketing taps into these traditional celebrity endorsements. In mm-hmm. fact, in my book, I use Wedgwood as an example of someone who you know who used to serve the royal family, and once they got the nodding of the royal family, the, their products sort of went viral. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so you know when when you tap into celebrities, obviously amazing things can happen. And what happened starting four or five years ago is we had the emergence of visual social networks, right? So, you know, just as professionals thought LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, I'm all set, right? Yeah. Then we have the emergence of Instagram. Well, it's just for, you know, it's just for teenagers. Well, you know, now it's for millennials and it's probably the number one social network for millennials. So even if you're in financial services, um, if you want to try to serve a younger demographic, you know, the LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, they're just not there. They're not showing up and you need to be elsewhere, right? Mm. Um, we obviously have, you know, YouTube has always been the second largest search engine, but now we have people that have their own, you know, TV shows, for lack of a better word, that were, that were developed on YouTube. And we have children that are, they want to become YouTubers when they grow up. Mm. Um, so what's, what's happened is you've had a visual uh, medium that's taken over, right? Whether it's photos or videos or stories and brands, businesses, were never in the business of, they were in the business of creating content to generate business. They weren't in the business of, of creating lifestyle photos and lifestyle yeah. videos. Um, and there's this huge gap between all these people that are really good at doing this, content creators, and uh, people that, uh, you know, businesses that never took advantage of it. I mean, any business could have become an influencer on Instagram or YouTube if they had replicated what people did, but they're not people. Mm. And people don't resonate with businesses as much as they do with other people. So, you know, we, when we think about influencer marketing right now, the knee-jerk reaction is, um, you know, Instagram, YouTube, right? And mm. it's pure B2C. But we've always had these trends. When I talk about leverage the other, right? Leveraging the other means leveraging other people in social media who you can collaborate with to drive your message forward. And I've noticed that there is a B2C side that everybody knows about, but there's a B2B side that actually very few people know about. In fact, there's also a selling side. This is a subject of a future podcast of mine that I'm still developing my thoughts on that people don't know about as well. And I'll I'll give you an example. So part of what I do, because I've written two books on LinkedIn, is social selling training. Mm -hmm. One of my clients is a large insurance company. You know, they're actually international, but I, you know, every year, a few times I will train their uh, sales agents, as well as the agencies they work with on social selling. And I'll never forget the first time I was training them, they were talking about centers of influence. I'm like, huh. And I think this is probably a term that, that hopefully a lot of financial service professionals listening to this podcast know. But I, you know, I, I was thinking, are you all doing influencer marketing here? You know, I, I didn't realize you're so social media savvy. And, and when I asked them you know, what centers of influence were, they were people in their community that if they collaborated with, could help them get leads, yeah. right? Yeah. So uh, for insurance salespeople, you can imagine it's bankers, it's, it's accountants, it's, it's financial professionals, maybe some of the people listening to this podcast. And, and, you know, and that's the thing. It, influencer marketing at the heart of it is tapping into people who have digital influence. Now, you know, my brother is a successful entrepreneur, CEO. He's completely off social media. He's, com- he's very influential, but not in the digital and social space. So mm-hmm. we still have you know, those people that are influential in our community that obviously we want to develop relationships with. But what about people that, are, that have some influence on digital? And 
you know, the, the old definition, what's really interesting of influencer marketing for B2C was like celebrity. You have to have 100,000 followers. Then you have to have 50,000 followers. Well, then a few years ago, we started talking about micro-influencers, which have 10,000 followers. Then a year or two ago, we started talking about nano-influencers <laughs> who have only 1,000 followers. So then we look around, right, at the company we work at, at our friends, at ourselves. Do we have 1,000 LinkedIn connections? Do we have a thousand Twitter followers? Do we have a thousand Facebook friends? And you realize that digital influence is everywhere, right? And especially in B2B or financial services, it's not necessarily a numbers game. It's a quality game. So you may only have a thousand connections or maybe the person you want to collaborate with only has a thousand connections. But if half of them are in your target demographic, and if you can convert a few of those over, that, that is huge. So it's not necessarily a numbers game, especially in B2B or for selling to you know high net uh, wealth uh, individuals or families. So now you begin to think, okay, and now we begin to see how the B2B and B2C with this cohesive look, this unified look of influencer marketing, defining it as people that have digital influence. They have a community, they have a following, they normally publish on a certain topic and people follow them and listen to their advice on that topic where they consider them an expert, you know, perhaps a thought leader, we begin to see that, you know, we've had these terms like employee advocacy or brand advocacy, where we tap into our employees or we tap into our fans. That is influencer marketing. And the reason why employee advocacy has failed, and I know that, well, financial service industries and social media are usually a little bit behind because you have all these guidelines you have to follow, right? <laughs> um, but, but many companies have failed at employee advocacy because they didn't treat employees as influencers. Mm. They, it, was, it was not a collaborative spirit. They treated employees as someone that would just amplify their message. And that's not the point of any of this. It's about win-win relationships. It's actually, you know, right now when I talk to companies, I'm saying, look, influencers have an amazing way to amplify content for you but they also have an amazing way to create content for you because they are content creators. Or in the B2B space, they are thought leaders. They are subject matter experts. It is a waste just to collaborate with them to share your content when you should be tapping into their minds. You should be co-creating content. You can do webinars together, especially in, in today's age. You can interview them on your blog, your podcast. In fact, I think podcasters... You know, uh, podcasts that just do interviews, uh, a lot of these, I mean, that's pure influencer marketing. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I see people starting podcasts and I've never heard of them. And all of a sudden they're lining up influencers to be on the podcast, which then indirectly they begin to be seen as an expert in the field, right? So, you know, brand advocacy, the same thing. Why look elsewhere for influencers when they might be in your social media following, Right. Have you looked at your followers? Have you looked at your customers? And, you know, I, I know I've talked for a while, Roger. I, I really want to just set the, you know, set the record straight on this and really get people thinking and reset their mindset. Let me give you a really, really good example. And because you're going to come out with a book as well, I think you'll appreciate this. I just published a book, right? March 17th. My publisher says the best way to sell more of the book outside everything I do as a speaker, consultant, what have you, is Amazon reviews. Yeah. The reason yeah. being that Amazon is the biggest online book sites where people go the most to buy them. And they have an algorithm like social media that really relies on reviews. I've already had people, Roger, say, you know, Neil, I haven't gotten your book yet, but I read the reviews and it looks great. Even though I'm telling them it's great, that is not a, a point of you know validation for them. The reviews validate, right? So I could, you know, I could spend $5,000 and work with a few Instagrammers to post a photo of them holding the book, or I can tap into the people that have bought my previous books and see if they might be interested in receiving a reviewer copy, right? To yeah. review the new book. I can tap into influencers and, and I see influencers in my world being podcasters, being university professors, mm -hmm. 
Um, I can also, you know, th- there's so there's a variety of people I can tap into, all with this KPI, this objective of Amazon. But in the in, in, in doing so, I'm developing lots of relationships with people where there might be ways to collaborate in the future because we're all in the same field. I'm providing something of value. You know, if, if you don't find the book recommendable, please don't recommend it, right? <laughs> um, and, and I have found, Roger, in this era of pandemic that we're in, you know, using Zoom and email and social media, I, I am now, including hopefully with today's podcast, developing relationships by providing value. And, and this is something that I think everyone listening can do in their own way. But, you know, when we start thinking of influence in that way, who out there could we collaborate with for a win-win relationship? I think it's so important to dwell upon that just for a moment. And again, I love the example of just using your own people. You know, your own people can be influencers. They can help produce great content to help boost the brand of your of your business. One thing that is interesting, and I'm thinking way back now to my what I call big corporate days. So way, way back, I was marketing director for several UK financial services brands. And of course, we were involved in the whole marketing mix from research through to product development, through to pricing, advertising, etc. But one of the parts of the marketing mix, which I always enjoyed the most was PR, public relations. And that might involve trying to get an article pl- uh, placed in a in a magazine or a newspaper. <laughs> About ten years ago, it was less internet, more print. Now it's more internet, less print. Or we would want to try and get what we would see as a personality. I remember working with the the owner of a chain of health cl- clubs called Duncan Bannatyne on a on a series of road shows, and we got him out on the road to do ten. Uh, presentations to financial advisors. Now, I guess that was in that was in my head that was PR, but to a certain extent, it, it's no not much different to what you've described as as influencer marketing. It's just using people who have reputations and have reach and 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 getting them to effectively become an advocate for you. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and the reason why is that we've seen the democratization of media influence. Mm. Right. It's like my publisher, you know, if I published a book 10 years ago, we'd be going out to traditional media. They they said you need to be in touch with bloggers, with podcasters, because in this new media space that we live in, those are the people that actually have the influence. Influence has become very fragmented. Right. So as as part of my book promotion, I did have a publicist and, you know, I was I I was picked up by Associated Press and, you know, my my name, a friend of mine in Denver saw my name in a newspaper and called me excitedly. So um, there still is a role for that. But this is new media. Right. These are not traditional media. But like I said, they're content creators, they're YouTubers, they're bloggers. You know, normally if you've been able to create some sort of a community in social media, you're either a content creator or you're sharing your ideas, mm. sometimes through content creation, sometimes just through your own posts. And, and yes, th- it, that's exactly right. It's, it's, I don't want to call it the new PR because uh, PR did have objectives, but I think for marketing, we'd look at it as a pure measurable business objective, mm-hmm. whereas the PR objective sometimes wasn't tied to the business, but how many times do we get mentioned in the media, yeah, right? Yeah. And this is how social media marketing began for so many companies. So, um, but I do, you know, when I speak to PR professionals, I do say that, you know, influencer relations as what many B2B companies have called the position is very much like public relations. And it is the same thing about developing a relationship 
all the way to that conversion and you reach out to a hundred people and only 20 are going to get back to you. And, and it's, it's, you know, there's a sales side of me that sees that it's a pipeline of people and it's a conversion. And there's a PR side of me that says it's all about the relationships. And, you know, another reason why marketers don't do well in this world is that it is based on relationships. It's not a one-to-many that marketers are used to. It is very much a one-to-one relationship building exercise Mm -hmm. because the better the relationship is, the better, you know, the, the better uh, things you're going to get out of that and really for both parties. So it is very, very different. But I also think that those that do have that background, whether it's they've done some sales or PR or maybe partner marketing, where they understand that relationship building process, I think that they'll really do well in influencer marketing. The other thing that really struck me when you were talking about influencer marketing you in, in the introductory bit was the comment that you made about, you know, a, a, some companies might realize the power of using images or they may see the power of using video in their own marketing um but traditionally and and i and again i would do that have done the same when i was marketing director my first port of call would have been a creative agency i would have gone along to them and say do me some photographs or do me a video whereas these influences if it's a, a photo influencer on instagram they are part of their skill is creating incredible images that people just want to consume. So to a certain extent, has the influencer also replaced the traditional creative agency? Well, now smart companies are starting to realize that. Why spend money working with a creative agency when you can create your own content studio leveraging influencers Mm. who their content is proven to be aligned with users. Mm -hmm. If they get engagement, it it, it is a validation. They're probably, if you work at the micro or nano influencer level, they're probably going to be less expensive. And by developing that relationship, you get the extra potential fringe benefit in that, you know, once in a while they may post about your brand if they become a fan because Mm -hmm. these are people, right? And the idea of influencer marketing is really converting all these people into becoming your brand advocates, right? And that's why I say, begin with the people, you know, you know, employees, partners, customers, social media fans, because they already have brand affinity for you. They already like, know, and trust you. Mm-hmm. When you go outside of that and you work with people that don't like, know, and trust you, it becomes a little bit more transactional, even in the B2B space where money is involved, right? But you know, I think a good first step, and, and you hinted on it, and a lot of smart businesses are starting to do this, is look at influencers, as I said, not as content amplifiers, but as content creators and see if you can tap into them. And, and you know, I share your sentiment. There was a company that hired me a few years ago their uh, social media marketing division was very mad because all the content that they got from their, uh, you know, internally, they had to get social media content from their advertising team. Mm -hmm. So guess what? Every single Instagram photo looked like an advert. Yes. And they were going crazy. So they brought me in. They had an internal meeting with their CMO and really, Hey, you know, we we need to align our content and social media with what people actually want. Otherwise it works against us. Right. But big companies that, you know, it's hard for them to change that way of thinking. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, so I, you know, I, I think you, we, we brought up here really the core concepts of, you know, why influencer marketing is so powerful and how it can really help a lot of organizations. I think that's also a very important point that you've just made there is that influencer marketing can be very powerful in the same way as email can be very powerful. And in the same way for some brands, TV advertising can still be very powerful, but it's still got to form part of a marketing strategy. And I guess one of the dangers is, like like at all times, is that marketers tend to get seduced by the latest toys. And to a certain extent, 
influencer marketing is 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 seen as one of the latest toys and unless you've you've done the the other parts of marketing working out who the customer is working out what their problem is building a product or a proposition to meet the need of that customer and then create your communication plan of which influencer marketing may be part of it then it's likely to fail because you haven't effectively got the messaging and the position i think you use the word position as well to to promote it so even though i think influencer marketing can form a very important part of a strategy you have to have the strategy before you dive into that tactic yeah all of this you know i i mentioned all those different channels uh, at the beginning uh, where you know companies can can leverage digital and social media marketing and yeah you you sort of need to be everywhere but some things are going to be more important than others. But yes, it begins with the strategy. And it begins by knowing that none of these replaces anything else. They're all complementary, right? Mm. So, you know, I talk about influencer marketing. I'm not saying, and there are brands like Estee Lauder announced recently that, you know, 75% of their marketing budget, they're putting into influencer marketing, but they've been doing it for several years. They've been able to, you know, tap into a growing network of, of you know, of ambassadors mm-hmm. um, that have performed very well for them. And I think for companies to do that, it's going to take you a long time. But as far as having a line item budget that says, you know what, it's almost like social media marketing 10 years ago. Let's start with 1% of the budget and let's see what the ROI of this is, what relationships we can build, what objectives, uh, you know, from our marketing strategy uh, that's, uh, you know, we're collaborating with influence might be able to help us achieve. And that's really, you know, what I'm talking about is that starting point of putting some money behind it and testing and measuring and seeing how it performs against all these other channels. Because the other thing that I completely forgot to mention when I talked about what's pushing more businesses towards influence marketing, I talked about the visual, but the other thing is that social media is is very much now pay to play Mm. and people do not like ads. And I've heard some people say whenever they see, you know, something that says sponsored, they just completely ignore it. Right. (laughs) So um, I've heard that customer acquisition costs on social media ads have only become more expensive. Although with this with this pandemic, they might be slightly lower right now. Um, but obviously, there's a lot of competition, and it's an ad. It's not coming from a person, right? So if social media is pay to play, that's a great place to put some of the budget and say, you know what? If we have to pay for the privilege anyway, let's see if we can put some of that towards working with influencers and see what the result is. Um, and really comparing apples and apples and treating influencer marketing as a paid media, which I think is completely okay to do. So that's another way of looking at it. And another reason why a lot of marketers are saying, you know, I need to, I need to find other ways to spend the money. I, I, I can't just keep spending all my money on, on social media ads yeah. in order to get some traction in social media. And as you say, you know, people just re- get repelled by adverts. And again, it, it's absolutely amazing to me that we are all locked down at the moment and you could argue that some people have got more time on their hands. You can, I know that a lot of people are busier than ever, but one of the things I've noticed is that the amount of communications from some brands has just quadrupled, maybe more uh, to the extent where I'm, I'm unsubscribing from companies, which I actually quite have, have a lot of respect for simply because they're just bombarding me with crap. And I think we never, we should never lose sight of the fact that people find adverts intrusive. And if you can come up with something much more engaging, and perhaps something worked with an influencer could be more engaging, then that's likely to get your customer to know, like, and trust you, just like you said. So we've got the book. Just talk me through very briefly the the, the structure of the book, how it how it 
sets out the, the steps that somebody, a company would have to go through to start building an, an influencer marketing strategy. Yeah. So as I hold the book in my hand here, talking to you, <laughs> so part one, part one talks about all of these things we've been talking about, right? Um, the, the concepts of why influencer marketing is so powerful. Uh, and also, you know, the fact that it's nothing new, but it's an extension of that celebrity endorsement. Mm-hmm. And, you know, part two really understands, or, or I should say goes into who are these influencers and how can we engage with them? Mm-hmm. So it talks about the employee as, as influencer. Uh, it talks about the different ways of looking at influencers, the traditional B2C way of numbers of followers, but also the way that I talk about, which is brand affinity. And then uh, there's a specific chapter on the 16 different ways to collaborate with influencers, mm-hmm. um, going over all these different, based on my own research of all these case studies, what are the different ways that influencers can be collaborated with. And and there really are a a lot of different ways. Um, The third part really goes into the strategy of, um, you know, of of influencer marketing, uh, of influencer identification. Now we have this whole pipeline, this whole, you know, workflow or life cycle where we have a strategy, we start to uh, try to identify influencers that would be a good fit for our strategy. We then begin the outreach. This is very much like public relations, but, you know, the outreach and managing those relationships uh, and hopefully those push us towards our objectives for our strategy. Uh, There is a section on the tools because there are a lot of different types of tools that can help you in influencer marketing. And then really, how do we measure that ROI? And that's, you know, I think a big chunk of the book, probably half the book is really dedicated to that part. Um, But then, you know, the final part I talk about is the more influential your business is, the easier it is going to be to work with influencers. Mm. It's like in the podcast world, Neil, I'd love to have you on my podcast. I've already had influencer ABC. Won't you join? Right. You know, people want to be associated with influence Mm. and people, if you say, you know, um, I'm Coca-Cola, do you want to work with me? Most influencers would want to work with you unless they're very anti Coca-Cola. Whereas, um, you know, if you're like a no name brand and people have never heard of you, the first thing is going to be, is this legit? Yeah. You know, do they even have a budget to work with me? And you begin to see the whole difference. So, uh, you know, the the final part of the book is, you know, based on uh, why every company should become more influential in their industry. Uh, And I, I, you know, I give some steps on how to do that. I then talk about, well, if you've come this far, maybe you want to become an influencer yourself. And I find this from a lot of marketers and I I give some advice there. And then in the final chapter, I look into the future of how I I truly believe, and I've seen it in the technology space, how artificial intelligence is going to revolutionize influencer marketing. There's still a lot of influencer fraud. There are people with fake followers, fake engagement. And uh, with the use of AI and with visual recognition, we're now really beginning to be getting to get a very, very clear look as to who really has influence and why they have influence from not just a textual uh, relevance perspective, but also a visual uh, contextual you know, relevance perspective. So, so yeah, that's in a nutshell, that's, uh, that's the entirety of the book. Yeah. It's a shame, isn't it? Like, like in all aspects of business, there's always going to be somebody who ruins it for everybody else. And yeah, you've got these people with all these fake followers and the bots or whatever we call them. Um, we, we see newspaper stories of so-called influences, almost like trying to blackmail hotels into giving them a free room or a free meal because I've got 45,000 Instagram followers. And and, and the, the media always hype up things like that. But it, but it sort of just put a bit of a, of a 
a taint onto the influencer marketing um, sphere. And and the vast, vast majority of them are not like that at all. But I think there's always going to be a few who effectively just ruin it for everybody else. Well, that's the problem. And the media uh, really, really jumps on all these sort of influencer episodes. You know, we had the fire Festival a while <laughs> back, um, the Dublin Hotel that will not let influencers stay there. So we, we've had these incidents. And yes, um, for those that are skeptical about anything influencer related, it fuels their fire and they miss out on the opportunity. So, yes, you need to be you need to have a bit of sanity here because not everyone is like that, especially, you know, th- these are primarily B2C. Uh, it's funny. Uh, I look at my LinkedIn updates now, and all of a sudden, there are all these people that are getting in medical supplies, mm-hmm. right? It's like, well, yeah, is this like the new the new gold mine, right? It's like the people in the real estate boom here. They became mortgage bankers, then they went into social media marketing, and now they're in medical supplies. Maybe they got into blockchain. So <laughs> there, there are a number, and you know, good for them, right? If, they, if that's how they can make a living, you know, kudos. But there are a lot of people who try to leverage things to monetize it. True influencers. Yes, they're in it for the money because they want to have a full-time, they want to create a full-time job out of their side hustle, but they're also incredibly devoted to their community because they know that that is, you know, your network is 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 your net worth. For them, their community is their net worth. Mm-hmm. Their whole, you know, uh, the whole uh, reason that they are there and that they're able to monetize their community is because they built up that trust and that relationship. So any influencer that would want to, you know, jeopardize that is, is really not a true influencer. Uh, from what everything I've been talking about. And if every day they're posting a different ad for a different company, then they are more of their media, Mm. right? Mm. There's a lot of influencers that have turned into media or you see these like meme sites on Instagram that have a million followers, they're media, right? It's just like advertising in the Rolling Stone or, you know, uh, NME, you know, in the music world or what have you, they are media, they are new media. And, um, Yes, they are going to be advertising every day because that's how they get the revenue. Um, the way I look at it is, or you know, the analogy I like to give is the radio station. Yeah. They also yeah. have adverts, right? But they try to keep the adverts down to a minimum and they, they push out great content so that you'll wade through the adverts in order to get back to the content. That's a really good analogy. I like that. I really do like that. Because yes, you put up the adverts because you want to hear Dire Straits or whoever it is coming. I don't know yeah. where the hell Dire Straits came from there. That was probably, must have been on my Spotify list. Uh, but a, a, gr- a great analogy. Neil, as, as we come towards the end of this fascinating chat, what would you say was the one big message that you would like the listeners of the Marketing and Finance podcast to take away from all the experiences you've had putting this book together and your analysis of influencer marketing? So, you know, it, it comes back to, and I, when I was going through the description, I failed to mention, you know, what is the other thing that people do when they're online? So the whole idea of a digital, you know, marketing strategy is we need to be where people are. Mm. So we know they're searching for content. We know that they're reading emails. And they're on social media, right? So searching for content, we have control over somewhat. Yeah. Right. Um, Email, we have control over. The social media piece, more and more businesses are losing control. Mm. Algorithms, new new mediums, uh, content mediums. And we get back to the fact that social media was made for people and not for businesses. Mm. And we get back to businesses are and will always be at a disadvantage operating in social media. So what is the solution for that? It really is to leverage other people 
It's to collaborate with other people because if people are not talking about you in social media, you need to make that happen. And the best way to incite word of mouth in social media is through collaborating with other people. Mm. That that's my most you know clearest definition and and you know why influencer marketing is so important today. If social media is not important for your business, you have no aspirations to be there. If uh, you know other digital marketing means are helping you meet your objectives, that's great. But if you are wondering what else you can do in social media outside of your organic efforts, paying and paying for advertisements. You know, collaborating with others in, in the form of influencer marketing is what I believe to be the future of how companies will operate in social media going forward. Absolutely spot on. I mean, when I look at even my, my own experience going back to big corporate, when I first set up a Twitter account, you know, I was responsible for promoting that business. I, I didn't set up a Twitter account for the brand. I set up the Twitter account for myself and created the reputation as, as, as I suppose, an influencer to a certain extent within that industry. And I think that it's perfectly um, obvious that the majority of people don't really want to engage with brands on Twitter or LinkedIn, except if they're having a moan about a flight being late or or something that's been delayed in the post. But on the whole, they prefer to interact with real people. And I think that's a really strong message. Neil, so good to talk to you today. I'm hoping that people listening to the show might want to get in touch with you, certainly will want to buy the book. So tell me, where can they get the book and what's the best way that they should connect with you? Well, I am Neil Schaefer, uh, N-E-A-L-S-C-H-A-F-F-E-R, everywhere on social media. It's the name of my website as well. If you were to do a search on Amazon for Neil Schaefer or uh, age, The Age of Influence is the name of the book, I'm sure you'll be able to find it. It, it was you know, published with HarperCollins, who who have a global footprint. So um, I, I know you'll find it there. I, I've already seen a few reviews pop up on Amazon UK, which is always nice. And I also have a podcast called Maximize Your Social Influence, where I really, I really look at, you know, digital and social media marketing through this lens of influence. So uh, yeah, I just hope that this podcast can help you on your journey. I, I think at the heart of it, both you and I are, are both educators. And, um, you know, it's really about best practices and influencer marketing you know, when you started this podcast, maybe a lot of you were out, were rolling your eyes when you heard we were going to talk about influencer marketing. But I truly hope by the end of this, uh, first of all, thank you for listening to the end. Uh, but second of all, hopefully it has given you some change in thought and maybe helped you want to try to discover investing more in people than in social media ads. It certainly made me think about it as well. And that's why I love podcasting so much, because as the host, I get to learn stuff as well. I will include all the links to the uh, your website and to the Amazon um, book and to the book on Amazon in the show notes of the podcast, which you can find at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash M-A-F. That's rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash M-A-F. Neil, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you this afternoon or this morning, depending upon which um, time zone we're in. And I will let me wish you every success with the book for the future. And as my sister lives in California as well, maybe one day I'll be over there and we can grab a beer together. I look forward to that. Thanks for listening to the Marketing and Finance podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a review. I'll catch you on the next episode. In the meantime, keep marketing your business to keep growing your business.